Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today, we're going to be going over the Packers' second minicamp practice. If you missed yesterday's episode covering practice number one, make sure to check that out. As I mentioned, we'll be going over number two today, which just so happens to be the last Packers practice up until the start of training camp, which seems crazy. We're heading into the real off-season portion. That doesn't mean anything is stopping here on the Pack-A-Day Podcast. We have you covered 365 days a year. I have a ton of fun episodes episodes lined up for you guys, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But let's kick things off with today's minicamp practice. First and foremost, the list of players that were not participating, Dallin Levitt, Eric Stokes, Tavarius Moore, Rashawn Gary, Jake Hansen, Tyler Davis, Grant Dubose, Chris Slayton, and Matt Orzik were the players that were not participating in some capacity. The only two players that were not present, at least that I saw, were Tavarius Moore and Matt Orzik. So those are the only two players absent. Remember, Matt LaFleur had mentioned that any players that were not there were excused for personal reasons. So again, hopefully everything's okay there. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, I mentioned yesterday, I thought maybe there was a chance because he didn't see either he either he wasn't a full participant or he dropped out of practice on uh, what Tuesday it was. So I kind of figured they probably just wouldn't practice him Wednesday and get him all this time off and then let him, you know, start back up in training camp. But he was back practicing, which was a great sign for him. And then we did also see the return of the one and only Jonathan Garvin. So after not being at any of the non-mandatory OTAs and not being at the first minicamp practice, we finally got to see in the flesh Jonathan Garvin back at practice. So the long-awaited return of Jonathan Garvin is over. He is back. I'm sure better than ever. Uh, but he, it, you know, it is nice to see Jonathan Garvin back at practice in some capacity. We'll see where that ends up. I keep giving him a hard time every year, not showing up to practice. You know what he does? Keeps making the team every single year. 53-man roster, Jonathan Garvin. So we'll see what ends up happening. No, uh, no major takeaways from Jonathan Garvin's return other than he was, in fact, there in the flesh. So good to see Jonathan Garvin back at practice. All right, let's start off with the main thing that happened, and that was the end of practice. There were three consecutive two-minute drills, 
and the first was led um, by Danny Etling. The second was Jordan Love, and then the third was Sean Clifford. So we'll go over each of those and exactly what happened. Danny Etling, believe it or not, actually probably had the most successful uh, two-minute drill of any of them. All of them did not include a live pass rush. So it was technically 11-on-11s, but it was basically functioning as almost like a 7-on-7. And the offensive line was there, and the defensive line slash edge rushers were there. But it was just basically like getting off the line and then just kind of jogging in place and the offensive linemen were just miming and there was really no rush. So it was basically a seven on seven, but offensive linemen and defensive linemen slash edge rushers were there. They just weren't doing a whole heck of a lot. I would also say that this was probably run at about, I don't know, 60 to 75%. So it was live-ish. It wasn't a walkthrough. It wasn't like slow paced, but it wasn't hundred percent all out you know, full full bore ahead capacity either. It was definitely a level down from that. So no pass rush, no real, you know, offensive line work and like 75% pace is what I would describe this as. But Danny Etling drives his team down the field a little bit. I would say gets down to about the, I don't know, 25, 30 yard line-ish. They get down to a fourth down conversion and Jeff Cotton comes screaming down the middle of the field, wide open, touchdown pass waiting to happen. Offense is going to win. And unfortunately, Danny Etling just completely overthrew the ball. So not great to see, but Jeff Cotton showing up again, getting down the seam, acres of separation on the play. Just unfortunately, Danny Etling couldn't hit him. The next two minute drill was Jordan Love's. And they go like basically, I think incomplete, 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 something like that, where it ends up being fourth and ten, or it was probably actually probably like fourth and five. So there's something that happened up until that point where it was like fourth and five. And I thought Jordan Love on this particular play did a really great job of now again, no real pass rush, but noticing that there's nothing open to his right, not panicking, coming to his left, finding his check down to Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor gets a field, picks up a first down and buys the offense a little bit more time. I think they eventually get to like, I don't think it was fourth down, but it's a little bit later in the drive. Time is starting to wind down and he's going to Christian Watson down the left sideline and throws it right to Jair Alexander. Now, I've seen some people post that maybe they thought that there was some sort of miscommunication between Christian Watson and Jordan Love on the play. I'm sure there probably was, and I'm not here to break down what exactly was supposed to happen on that play. Again, I'm on the sideline. I don't get an all 22 view of exactly what happened. I'm not privy to the play call, so I can only see what I see. And it, from what I saw, the the you know Watson's route is coming right in front of where I'm standing. And it looked like this was sort of like a, a cover two situation with Jair Alexander in the flat and a safety deep. And Christian Watson continued his route. Had had Christian Watson done anything different? Like had he sat down where Love was throwing the ball? Like he would have been running his route right into Jair Alexander. So I don't know what possibly, like usually there's an option there for Christian where if you know, Jair's playing underneath. He's going to continue his route up the field. Usually there's going to be some sort of turkey hole shot right between the corner and the safety. You try to beat that cover two with that. Do I know a million percent it was covered two? I don't because again, I can't see exactly what was called and I don't have an all 22 to go back and look at it, but I do know that Jair Alexander was underneath on it. So Christian coming back and running any sort of underneath route just really would not have made any sense based on the coverage. So I understand why Christian probably kept going on the route. I don't know what Jordan Love saw, but I do know that he threw it directly to Jair Alexander and Jair is not going to have an easier interception in his career. So 
something certainly to get cleaned up there. Don't know if it was on Jordan. Don't know if it was on Christian. Don't know exactly what happened, but it was a throw right from Jordan Love to Jair Alexander and certainly something the offense did not want to have happen in that situation. I tend to believe that was something that probably did have some level of miscommunication between what Love thought Watson was going to do and what Watson thought Love was going to do or want him to do. But you still, I don't know how Jordan throws that pass still, seeing that Jair Alexander is in that underneath coverage. If anything, just throw the ball away and live to see another down. And that's sort of been the, the MO for Jordan. And I was going to talk about this in just a little bit after I went over the third um, two-minute drill, but I'll just talk about it now. I thought Jordan had a really, really nice practice up until just taking what was given to him. I thought he ripped the ball really well, throwing things in the flat, throwing things down the field, just everything that was there, he was hitting. And then that play happens. And that's sort of been the MO for, for Jordan Love so far through OTAs and minicamps. And again, at least the ones that have been open to us that we've been able to see. But it's like, you see some of the really good stuff and then it's just like this kind of interesting decision to say the least that ends up getting picked off. And there've been a few too many of those so far in practice. So I think that's one that, again, Jordan would probably like to have back, but those are sort of things that keep coming up through the course of these minicamps and OTAs. Am I super concerned about it at this point? No, still not. These are the times to work out those kinks and figure out what you can get away with, as I've said on the other episodes. But this has been a theme now for Jordan and something that you would like to see get cleaned up a little bit more and hopefully something that doesn't continue in training camp, preseason, regular season, et cetera, and that he's learning those lessons now, which is exactly what this time period is for. So no concern, but you would like to see some of that stuff get cleaned up a little bit more and maybe not start making these mistakes where we're you know, seeing him throw into coverage and those sort of things. But had a really nice play, like I said, on fourth down to complete the pass to Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor got upfield. That's exactly why, you know, I know we talk about, um, you know, some of the players that, you know, ultimately are going to be given, uh, you know, uh, maybe more of an opportunity at the running back position. I, this is why I think Patrick Taylor is still in the conversation is he just does all the little things. He's on, you know, he's, he has some special teams value, not as a returner, but on some of the, you know, kick return and coverage teams, you know, he can catch the ball in the backfield. He can run the ball pretty well. He is a great pass protector. So he just has all the little things. And we saw that a little bit more from Patrick Taylor as well. All right, let's talk about Sean Clifford's uh, two-minute drill. I, I think he only gets a couple plays before he throws down the middle of the field. Intended for Tucker Craft. I didn't see he was in coverage on the play. Ball gets tipped up in the air. Ricochets again off another defender. And then Innis Gaines comes in and makes the game-sealing interception for the defense on that drive. So three two-minute drills. Danny Etling had the best chance for winning the drill, overthrows Jeff Cotton on a huge opportunity to complete a touchdown. Unfortunately, goes incomplete based on the overthrow. Jordan Love, the nice fourth down conversion, but throws right to Jair Alexander to end their drive. And then Sean Clifford has the tip pass intended for Tucker Craft that ultimately ends up intercepted by Innes Gaines. So three for three for the defense, 0 for three for the offense on those two minute drills. Again, no real pass rush no real offensive line work, just kind of seven on sevens with a little window dressing up front with the pass rush and offensive line. Uh, as mentioned, I thought Jordan Love had a really nice day up until that final throw on the two-minute drill. Uh, one of my favorite plays that he had on the day is he's he's going through his progressions, which is exactly what you want to see. Married his footwork and his eyes. So what I mean by that is he's getting his he's dropping back into his drop. His feet are going this way. He's looking left on the play. His feet are married up with it, so he knows you know his his eyes are going this way. His feet are going this way. His body's going this way. Everything's all poetry in motion. He's going left, going through his progressions. Nothing open. He looks right, feet go with him, hips go with him, everything opens up, and he sees Malik Heath cutting on an inbound route, 
Rizul Douglas trailing behind him in coverage, gets through that progression left to right, sees sees uh, uh, Malik and just rips it. Rips it right in the middle of the field in stride, and Malik Keith makes another play in uh, you know another practice, which has been his mo so far throughout the course of rookie mini camps, mini camps, and OTAs. And this is a really impressive one because Razul's in coverage on the play. He gets off the coverage of Razul, cuts inside. Jordan Love reads it coming back when he gets to his right, when he gets to that point in the progression, trusts his eyes, rips the ball, hits him in stride, and another nice play for the offense on that one. So I, I really loved all the mechanics there for Jordan Love. Like I said, I thought this was really a nice day. He took what he was there or what was there for him, didn't force too much stuff up until that final play in two-minute drill. So good day overall, like I said, up until that final pass where he threw it directly to Jair Alexander on the play. Maybe the the player of the day, potentially. Anders Carlson, second straight day of nice kicking. Remember, he went five of six on day one of minicamp, goes six for six on this day. Now, uh, shorter field goals slash extra points. He makes a 33-yarder, a 33-yarder, a 37, a 39, a 40, and a 42, but goes six for six on the day, which means during minicamp in the live kicking periods, he was 11 of 12 over two days and his only miss was from 44 yards. So really impressive start. Like I said, the ball explodes off his foot. I have a feeling he's going to be a very good uh, kickoff, you know, or place kicker, I guess I should say. Um, just, you know, really being able to pound that ball, hopefully, you know, into the back of the end zone or maybe even through the end zone, you know, setting up the special teams, not having to work quite so hard on the coverage unit. I think that's going to be great. But the the fact that he's 11 of 12 in our first real look at Anders Carlson's a really good positive sign to begin with. Luke Musgrave continues to show uh, that he is going to be a mismatch piece on offense and a weapon for Jordan Love. He had a really nice play where it was zone coverage and he got behind the defender, saw the hole in the zone, continued on his out route and Jordan Love found him. Really nice pickup. And it's just going to be a really interesting you know, matchup piece. In that situation, the linebackers were not able to stick with him. And I think that's going to be the case more often than not. He's too fast. He's too big. He's too skilled as a receiver to cover with linebackers. If you cover him with a shorter safety or a shorter corner, he's just going to be able to out-physical those players. So it's going to be hard to find the right matchup piece for Luke Musgrave for opposing defenses. And that's a great thing to hear for the Green Bay Packers and specifically their offense. Jordan Love was asked about Luke Musgrave uh, you know, in the, the post-practice um, scrum, if you will. And he said, quote, he's going to be a great player. He's a lot faster than I think anyone thought. He picked up the offense really fast. He's getting a lot of reps right now, which is great for him. He's making the most of it. So I think the big takeaway there is, you know, yes, it's great that he's fast, but the fact that he has picked up the offense so quickly, that is huge. And if you want to be a rookie tight end, that's going to make an impact. You have to know the playbook. You have to know the offense. And that's, you know, we know that he has the opportunity to be a weapon as a pass catcher. Now that last piece is going to be what he can do as a blocker. There are a couple reps in previous mini camps and OTAs or OTAs, I guess I should say, where he had trouble holding up at the point of attack. That's going to be the really next big step in his progression. But as a receiver, he has been more than advertised already. In fact, I think, you know, I think this is a first round worthy pick, you know, what we've seen so far. We'll see how it translates when the pads come on into the season and so on and so forth, but hard not to be super excited from what we've seen out of Luke Musgrave in rookie minicamps, OTAs, minicamps. He continues to get better and uh, really excited about his progress and what hopefully he can bring to this team in 2023. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. 
Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, starters on offense and walkthroughs, Jordan Love at quarterback, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at running back, Musgrave at tight end, Watson and Dobbs at wide receiver, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Yash Nyman gets the start today, or at least on Wednesday. Uh, Zach Tom got the start on Tuesday, so those two, again, seem to be switching back and forth and competing for that fifth and final offensive line spot at right tackle. On defense, it was Hollins and Preston Smith on the edge, Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton on the interior, Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker, Douglas and Jair on the outside with Nixon in the slot, Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage on you know at safety. If you didn't hear me yesterday, I'll say it again. The reason I think Slayton is in is in that base nickel formation, you want a little bit better run defender. You're not, you know, that's usually your first and second down plays where you're still going to be a nickel. You're not going two, three, four. This isn't a run stopping down per se. You need to be able to stop the run with just two defenders, interior defenders, and you have to be able to eat some blocks and keep Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell clean. But, you know, you also have to have some pass rush ability. So I think TJ Slayton's a great fit there. If it's more of an obvious passing situation, then yeah, get Devontae Wyatt in there. And certainly Wyatt's going to play some of those downs as well. If it's a three-man front, it's going to be Wyatt, Slayton, and Clark. So 
Devontae's going to see a ton of playing time, but I totally would agree. And that's exactly the same thing I would do on a base nickel formation. It would be TJ Slayton for me because I just think that the, you know him and Clark are going to be two really good run defenders and both have the ability to get upfield and pass rush a little bit as well. So don't mind that whatsoever. The interesting thing is they also showed some 5-1-5. So five, you know, I guess not defensive linemen, it's three defensive linemen with two edge rushers, but you know, five players on the defensive front. And then it was Quay Walker, not Devondre Campbell as the lone linebacker, and then five defensive backs. In that situation, Devontae Wyatt came on the field. And again, Devondre Campbell goes off. Now, if that means in that 5-1-5 formation that Quay gets those snaps instead of Devondre Campbell, that's interesting. Campbell is the play caller. Now we've seen Quay do that a little bit as well, but you know, Devondre when healthy is not come off the field. If it's been a dime situation or a one linebacker situation, Devondre has been on the field in the past. So the fact they are giving Quay those reps is at least noteworthy. Could it just be that they want the rookie to get more snaps in these sort of situations in practice? Very much so, but it could also be that hey, Quay gives you a little bit more speed and athleticism and coverage, and maybe they want to go with Quay in that type of formation. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But when they did bring in Wyatt, it was Devondre that came off the field. They went with three interior defenders, two edge rushers, the one pure linebacker in Quay Walker, not Devondre Campbell, and then the five defensive backs. So that was a little bit interesting to me as well. Uh, One of the things I got asked in one of the questions yesterday was, does Zach Tom look any bigger? And this is a huge thing for Tom, right? When he came in last year, you could tell he was undersized from day one, and that was going to be a problem. He needed a full offseason. I thought he performed extremely well last year, given his size, but we were really wondering of like, hey, you know, was he going to be able to pack on some pounds in the offseason? He does look bigger to me. He was standing next to Josh Myers. Now, Myers is taller, but I thought Zach Tom like filled out to the point where like he kind of almost looked a little bit thicker than Josh Myers. So that's a really good sign for Zach Tom. Now, the next thing is like, how does that affect his agility? I don't think it will because he's a freak athletically. So I don't think that's really going to affect him too much. And then just how much of that new strength, you know, like, can he show it off? Can he be a little bit more of a strong you know, run blocker? Can he hold up against bull rushes? Those are going to be the really interesting things to see. But he does look like he put on a little bit of weight in, in a very very good way. Um, Not any negative whatsoever. He did also get some time at center in this practice. He was the center with the number twos. There's been no inclination that he is competing for a center spot with Josh Myers at this point. Myers has taken all the snaps with the ones. This seems to be just Zach Tom getting his usual, you know, versatile reps in to show, you know, he can play a lot of different stuff and just kind of get practice at it should they need him during the season. But he did get some reps at center in this particular practice. One other player that I do think has changed their body shape a little bit, Jonathan Ford, the seventh round pick from a season ago. They were doing defensive line and edge rusher drills, and I was watching those closely. And Jonathan Ford looks much sleeker than he did a season ago. He looks like he slimmed down a little bit. He looks he looks great. He looks much quicker than he did a season ago. So that's another player I'm going to be really interested to keep an eye on as we get to training camp and when the pads come on. He needs to take a jump. They just drafted two interior defenders and Carl Brooks and you know Colby Wooden that are going to give him a fight for his life to try to make the team. If everyone's healthy, he's probably the sixth defensive lineman and he's going to have to show like, hey, I'm still worth keeping. But the fact that he slimmed down a little bit, showed a little extra agility and speed, I'm excited to see what that looks like in training camp for Jonathan Ford. 
Uh, this was probably the first and only uh, rough day for Romeo Dobbs that we've seen in practice. A couple drops during the course of practice. And there was one on the sideline. It was probably only going to go for like a three-yard gain anyway. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. But Jordan Love hits him. Uh, Dobbs right there. Now Jair's in coverage, which just intensifies things always. And it just, you know, he has a way of just making his presence known to wide receivers. And, but Dobbs drops the pass. I don't, maybe Jair got a hand. I didn't see him, but maybe Jair got in there. But anyway, it looked like a drop to me with, with Romeo, but Jair on the play, you could almost tell he was like disappointed in Romeo. Cause remember when Dobbs caught the touchdown on him, like Jair said, like, yeah, I basically went and gave him a hug. Cause I want to see him make those plays. And this was like, you could almost hear Jair be like disappointed that Romeo dropped the ball, even though he was the one in coverage, even though he's the one that gets credit for, you know, making sure that Romeo doesn't get the catch on the play. You know, he knows that these guys need to be great for this team to be great. And you could tell he has high hopes for Romeo Dobbs and was almost disappointed that he dropped the ball. So, um, like I said, the first semi-tough day for Romeo, no concerns. It's just one of those days at the office, you get a couple balls your way, a couple bounce off his hands. He showed no propensity of that in any of the rest of the practices. Not concerned about it at all, but just a, a, the first time that Romeo hasn't looked amazing in one of these practices so far. Thought Bo Melton had a nice day. A couple of catches that I saw that just you know went out, high pointed the ball, hit him in the hands, and you you, know, you plucked it through the air. So nice day for Bo Melton. Had a couple you know of those seven on seven catches. Daniel Whelan is that a real name or am I making that up? Yeah, he's the he's the backup punter right now. It's a Pat O'Donnell. I thought he had a really nice day. He was booming some punts just in individuals, and then they did team drills, and I thought he had a really nice day. Hang time was good. You know, really crushing some balls down the field. That dude is built. The true story, he's wearing like four, number 40 something. I don't know what number it exactly is, but he's in the 40s. When I first saw him, I thought he was one of the long snappers. Now, it's not like long snappers are like 300 pounds or anything, but that's what I, I like. This guy's like, I don't know. I'd have to look up his like his actual height and weight, but like he's he's a big dude. He's a very big dude. Like like I said, I thought he was one of the long snappers. And he, like, he's the punter. So he, he was getting into a couple on this day. And he, like a great hang time on the day. Also, on one of uh, Anders Carlson's kicks, there's a low snap. Uh, Hatcher was the only one there. So again, Orzik wasn't there. But a low snap on the play. And I thought... You know, I thought Whelan did a great job of placing that ball, getting it down so that Carlson could make the kick. So nice day for Daniel Whelan, name to keep an eye on in that punter battle. I've talked about it in the past. Like Pat O'Donnell's in his 30s. He's one of only four players over the age of 28. If listen, if Whelan can show he can be a good holder and a good punter, you have way more team control over Whelan. He is younger, he is cheaper, he is like there every advantage in the world, if everything's even remotely close. You go with Daniel Whelan over Pat O'Donnell all day, every day. If if O'Donnell's just better, maybe they keep him. But uh, don't don't sleep on Daniel Whelan's opportunity to make this team as the punter. This is a very young team. Doesn't make a ton of sense to have a 30-plus-year-old punter. Go with the younger guy if he's even remotely close to O'Donnell. And on this particular day, I thought Whelan was actually better than O'Donnell. So that'll be a training camp. The, the training camp battle we've all wanted to talk about, Daniel Whelan versus Pat O'Donnell. We'll break that down in, in great depth once training camp is around, I am sure. Uh, overall, this was a slow-paced practice. Some individual stuff, some walkthroughs. As I mentioned, some 7-on-7, seven seven, some 11-on-11, 11 11, but it was basically a pseudo 7-on-7 seven seven without the pass rush. So one of the interesting things I will say, I was very surprised this week. I thought OTAs were great on the three practices that were open to us. I thought the intensity was great. Like everything was was really, really good. I loved everything that I saw. 
The two mini camps really surprised me. Now they had the opportunity to do three mini camps. They chose on Thursday to do a team building activity. I'm all for that. I totally get it. I think there's a ton of value in that. But these two mini camp practices were very slow paced, very nondescript, no real 11 on 11s, no high intensity, like I guess a couple like of the seven on seven and high intensity periods, but nothing of real, I don't know, nothing of like great value is what I would say. Now, far be it from me, Matt LaFleur knows where this team is at. He's He mentioned a couple things that this team is like one of the most fit of any Packer teams that he's had at this point in the year. So that's a great sign. He mentioned that they're in really good health overall. So not a ton of guys banged up and he wanted to see that carry over into training camp. So you could tell he was prioritizing the health of the players. And, you know, he said that they've got a lot of great work done already. Remember, some teams are canceling multiple mini camp practices. So this isn't out of the ordinary. That said, I'm sort of surprised with this team being as young as they are that Matt didn't use a little bit more of these mini camp practices to get even some of these younger players a little bit more high intensity work. And I get he's trying to protect these players, but you know, put put a lot of these guys, a lot of these rookies and you know, back of the roster type players, like go out there, let them compete, let them do some eleven on elevens. And I, I I under you know, I even understand it more when they were in the Don Hudson Center. It's a turf type field and like maybe you just don't want to risk those injuries, but I would have liked to see outdoors on Wednesday, just a little bit more intensity and just getting those guys maybe a few more reps because they are so young and you can tell some of that inexperience is there. So I was a little bit surprised by the pacing. Trust Matt LaFleur in his decision, but if things come out slow at the start of training camp and that first preseason game is ugly, I'm going to kind of come back to this a little bit and be like, maybe they should have done things a little bit different in mini camp. Just felt like there was more opportunity to maybe get some more things done. But Again, far be it from me. Matt knows the team really well, has has always had a, a pretty darn good pulse of where the team is at. But this is uh this is one of those years where this this team, if they have any like real hopes of like trying to make a playoff run, this can't have the the week one like, you know, they don't show up to to the game, like basically, and completely get slapped in the face again and, and no show. Like they can't have that happen. This team has to take every game and treat it super seriously to try to get every win out of the season that they can. So I was a little bit underwhelmed by the state of these two mini camp practices after what I thought were three really good OTA practices that were open to us. But they got a ton done in the OTAs and they're ahead of schedule. Awesome. That's great. Um, I just was surprised with a young roster like this that some of that stuff didn't get used a little bit more with the opportunities that were out there. As mentioned, that is the last Packers practice up until training camp. That first training camp practice is going to be July 26th. We'll get everything prepared for you guys as we lead up to that. As I mentioned, we're going to have a ton of great episodes coming up. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I know it's the dead period. I know there's six weeks left until training camp, but don't go anywhere. We're going to have a ton of fun Packers conversations coming up to say the least. So always appreciate you guys. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.